الحمد لله الحمد لله عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزنة عرشه وكمال كلماته نحمده ونستعينه ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وإذا سألك عبادي عني فإني قريب أجيب دعوة الداعي إذا دعاني فليستجيبوا لي وليؤمنوا بي لعلهم يرشدون وأشهد أن سيدنا وأسعدنا وحبيبنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله هو الذي بعث في الأميين رسولا منهم يتلو عليهم آياته ويزكيهم ويعلمهم الكتاب والحكمة وإن كانوا من قبل لفي ضلال مبين من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي إلى صراط مستقيم أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters Khutbas are varieties you can consider some khutbas like some foods sometimes there is a meal that is a vegetarian meal it has no meat in it Sometimes there's a meal that is concentrated on the meat portions, etc. And sometimes yours truly here receives sincere feedback that there is so much concentration on a particular area our khutbas basically are concentrated on wealth and power because these are the areas in which a shaitan is having his merry time destroying our lives and so this positive or sincere critique of these khutbas basically says that there's no concentration on another important element that at least should be mentioned from time to time and we take this type of feedback in a very brotherly sense so let us provide you with another variety of a khutbah and that is let us look at our internal selves inside who we are inside instead of looking at our internal society we're going to look at our internal spirit 
And one of the contributors to this khutbah is, and I mentioned this to a few brothers who were here after the khutbah last week, that there are, there's an intention of producing a film, a cinematic film, about Mawlana Jalal al-Din al-Rumi. And this is supposed to be a combined effort between a couple of cinematic producers in the Islamic Republic of Iran and a producer in Turkey. And it's supposed to be filmed on site in Konya. That's where Jalal al-Din al-Rumi lived for most of his life. And there's an internal argument developing inside the Islamic Republic about whether this movie should be authorized or whether it should not be authorized. And as you know, I don't address the internal issues of the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's been my approach since I don't know when, can't remember when for a long time and this brings to mind a very important summary of early Islamic history and that summary is ever since Imam Ali passed on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Muslims, our general Muslim public, sort of split into different approaches and different directions. One of them is called a tashayya. The other one is called a tasawwuf. And the third one is called al-i'tizal. And the fourth one is a combination of all of these elements in it. Now we have a difficulty in trying to bring back all of these elements together. Who said if you're a, let's say, a Mu'tazili, you cannot be a Mutasawwif and a Mutashayya? Who says? Where did that come from? It comes from our ignorance. These can be very comfortably, all of them combined back together again. There's no problem with that. But this requires a deeper understanding of our own selves. And this type of understanding, the depth of us, is lacking and so we will begin by trying to approach this issue and I hope we listen closely and not selectively everyone in his prayer everyone says that's in the Fatiha it's almost the heart of Al-Fatiha Now I know for those who are not familiar with the language of the Qur'an, they understand this surah and these ayat from the translation. Okay, let's skip the deficiencies of the translators. And let's try to get a grip on what we are saying, what everyone says many times during the day. When we say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ It means like, it is only you that we conform to, and it is only you 
that we ask for help. That's what we're saying. It could have been the Arabic phrasing of this ayah could have been na'buduka wa nasta'inuk. We conform to you and we ask you for help. Wouldn't that have been generally speaking but the same meaning? But no, there's a much more it's it's a deeper emphasis on our particular relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is only you that we conform to. Anything that is going to interfere with this one-on-one relationship with you, O Allah, is not part of my life. And it is only you that I ask for help. No one else. If I ask anyone else for help besides you, that is not part of my relationship with you. So this is what we are saying. There's an ayah in Surah Fatir, ayah number 10. It says, إِلَيْهِ يَصْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ وَالْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ يَرْفَعُهُ Many of us, we ask Allah. We just ask Allah. MashaAllah, you, if you listen in to some of the uh, salah that is done in Al-Masjid Al-Haram during the month of Ramadan, they some of the prayer leaders they say a qunut that carries on for 15 and 20 minutes just going on and on and on and Allah is saying in this ayah ilayhi yas'adu al-kalimu tayyib wholesome goodsome words by their very nature, rise to Allah. Good words, just by them being good, gravitate to Allah. But words are not an independent thing. Words belong to humans. How can there be a word without there being a human being expressing the word, the good word? And that human being is not neutral. A human being can be a negative one, a bad person. A human being could be a positive one, a good person. So, Al-Kalim Al-Tayyib, good words are lifted to Allah by Al-Amal Al-Salih. Not by a salihin, not by our persons, not by our personalities. It is by what we do that is good. And this is very important to remember. A, a simple dua, which is Al-Kalim al-Tayyib. A simple one. Like, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-Jannah wa ma qarraba ilayha min qawlin aw amal wa a'udhu bika min al-Nar wa ma qarraba ilayha min qawlin wa amal. If that is said from a heart that is dedicated and attached and related to Allah. Oh Allah, what is this? Oh Allah, I ask you al-Jannah and whatever, be it words or be it deeds, brings me close, bring me close to al-Jannah and I seek your protection. From any word or deed that distance, distances me from Al-Jannah. If that is said 
by a person who is doing what ought to be done al-amal as-salih then this relationship with Allah does not fray does not come apart iyyaka na'bud wa iyyaka nasta'in in doing all of this we cannot forget the person who guided us to all of this i wasn't born knowing this you weren't born knowing this someone made it possible for you and me through a lifetime of struggle and sacrifices for this to become a matter of our consciousness and our mind هو الذي يصلي عليكم وملائكته ليخرجكم من الظلمات الى النور وَكَانَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَحِيمًا This ayah is 43 in Surah Al-Ahzab. Which means we are required to offer our invocation of blessings, our communicative invocation of blessings upon Allah's Prophet. This is the um, importance. Why do we say Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad? If you don't understand it in this context, you're probably a victim of some ignorance or some asabiya. That's where many of us are located. The Prophet of Allah, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, says. لا يأتيني الناس بأعمالهم وتأتونني بأنسابكم. It's like it, it, this is uh, it translates something like this. I don't want people to come to me with what they are doing, and you, meaning you, the committed Muslims, are my followers, to come to me with your affiliations. Other people, they do. They are involved in in real work in life. And then we, the Muslims, we are involved in, oh look, he's a Sunni and he's a, or he's a Shiite. Or he's, a, he's from some Arab country and the other person is from Turkey. Or the third person is from Pakistan. And it goes on like this. Culture identification. That's not our identity. In another hadith of the Prophet, he says, May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him. Man lam Whoever's works, whoever, whoever's deeds are slow, he cannot expect to increase his pace by his affiliation. Oh, I'm a... whatever. You can fill in the blank here. What are you? Who are you? How do you identify yourself by such title, by such historical events? Or do you identify yourself by what you do? This is, this is the area that we have not gelled in our internal selves. It has not been cemented there. Let me give an example of a person. I don't want to mention the name. And this is a problem. If you mention the name, then we have all of these historical negatives that are going to come into play. I don't even want to mention the country because likewise then we have all of these historical issues that are going to try to figure out the meaning of what I'm going to say. And it's very simple. It's not a sophisticated issue. There's a person who is, let's say, about a hundred years ago. I'm talking about couple of generations, a few generations ago. 
the person who considered every human being to be worthy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at one time a person comes up to him and wants to kiss his hand he takes his hand hand away he, he didn't want that to happen he never wanted that to happen even though individuals would do that they knew who he was but he didn't want people to kiss his hand so a person comes up to him and tries to do that he pulls his hands hand away so he looks at him the person who approached him looks at him and he says I respect you, I admire you, I love you. He said this in in very positive and a very affectionate way. He says, and I'm the same with you. The response from this scholar was, and I am the same with you. Likewise. And the person goes away. The, The people around this the people around him they said did you know who that person was he said no I don't it's just a person who came up and he said what he said and I said I don't know I don't know who he is no I don't he said well he's a Jew who a Yahudi he said and so what's what's the, he's he who a and he's a Yahudi now this remember this was before the Zionist theft of Palestine and even though there were the beginnings of what happened later decades later but this scholarly Sufi said but do you know what he will be when he passes away you want to finalize a judgment on a person not knowing between now and the time he passes away what he will be or what he will become this same person this is the depth in ourselves that we don't have this same person on yawm al-eid i think it was eid al-fitr he tells one of his students take these cases of money he had small cases he filled them up with money probably some gold silver coins and these types of things take this money to a brothel where prostitutes are his students said are you sure you want me to do this is this the right thing to do he said yes of course I'm sure I I, I want you to do this and it is the right thing to do He said, okay, if you say so, I will do as you as you say. So he took, and this, this person, even though he was very humble, he was very simple, but he had revenue that came to him which he could give to those who are in need. So this person, this student, took these small bags of money, and he went and he knocked on the door. One or two of these prostitutes, they came and they opened the door. They looked, they saw a shaykh. A person obviously with Islamic figures. They could tell immediately. They were taken aback. They were surprised. Yes, what can we do? Because the first thing that came to their mind, they offer their bodies. To make a living that's how they make a living so they thought this person come is coming to them so that they can offer this person their bodies 
He said, no, no. It's not what you think. The shaykh is telling them, it's not what you think. They said, what is it? What, what do you need from here, from where we are? What can we offer you? He said, nothing. But I have something to offer you. And he took out these bags of money, several of them, and he gave each one a bag of this money. They could not believe what has happened. It was unbelievable that something like this would happen. And then what they did was he left. He, he, he left them with this good giving and he left them with good words and he left them with good behavior and he went back to his shaykh. The shaykh asked him, did you do what I told you? He said, yes, I did exactly what you told me to do. And then word got around that this place, these women who were prostitutes, became Muslimat, Mu'minat. That was a turning point in their life. Why? Because of the depth in us. Not like today's, you know, today's the Islamic, uh, the officialdom that has sponsored this kill the other attitude and policies, especially what we've seen in the past 10, 15 years at least. Astaghfirullah. These, we have to go and kill them. This is the attitude in today's certain Islamic circles. That's how shallow we have become. This is what happens to us when we lose our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then these preachers who preach to us what Islam is, and they lost contact with Allah jalla wa'ala, except for their Israeli rituals. They present themselves as being the, the superior human beings in the world. They can't feel that when some Muslim brothers or sisters are forced into sin or into crime, that they are resp partially responsible for that. They can't have that feeling. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a hadith Qudsi says, Al-kibriya'u ridai wal-azamatu izari faman naza'ani wahidan minhuma qadhaftuhu finnar this air and this behavior of supremacy and superiority that they exude, that belongs to Allah, doesn't belong to any human being. Allah is saying, grandeur is my garment. Or pride is my garment and grandeur is my belt. And whoever is competing with me in these two areas, I shall toss him into the fire. Let me also give, I was speaking to one of the brothers at one of the funerals last week. And one of these issues came up. I want to demonstrate here a further meaning of, of what we are lacking. And this, is, this happened. What I'm going to explain right now actually happened concerning an Islamic scholar. An Islamic scholar goes to a neighboring country. And in that neighboring country... Once again, I'm not mentioning the name and I'm not mentioning the country. Not that I don't know the name and the country, but because 
the information you have inherited will interfere with the lesson that I'm trying to explain. And he enters, this person, this scholar, enters into, when he goes to this country next door, he enters into a, an orchard of citrus fruits. For the first time of his life, he saw the quality and the quantity of these citrus fruits, oranges and lemons and grapefruits and of different types scores of different types of them he he was so surprised and so mesmerized by this he was he was looking and admiring as a scholar he was admiring allah's creation allah's beauty in creation as he was in that moment of admiration another person just comes by and asks him Can you tell me where the house of the the Arabic word is sabbagh sabbagh is a dyer d-y-e-r the person who gives color to something so he's this person is asking this scholar can you tell me where the house of the person who gave the tint or the color or the hue to these citruses are? Or he didn't say these citruses, these, he just said citrus, fruits. Where is he? This scholar listened to the question says, I don't know. I don't know where the tinter or the dyer or the colorer, I don't know where this person is who colors these fruits. And the person just left. The stranger who just came and asked that question left. And as a scholar, he thinks about this days later and then he says, Ya Allah, oh Allah, forgive me. The question is a simple one that the stranger asked. Who is the one, could you tell me the place where the one who gives color to these fruits is? The way it is expressed, هَلْ تَدُلُّنِي عَلَى بَيْتِ صَبَّاغِ هَذَا الْلَيْمُونَ The way he heard it is, this stranger is asking about some person who colors the fruits for holidays, for occasions, or whatever. The person was not asking that question. The person was asking, where is the masjid? Instead of saying, where is the masjid? He said, where is the home of the person who, who colors these citrus fruits? You can understand it both ways. But if you're a person who lives in this world and has no relationship with Allah, you think about a human being. But if you are living with Allah, your relationship is strong with Allah, you would understand that he's asking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this scholar, when a couple of days later, he was thinking about this question, he didn't just dismiss it, any question. This is, this is another element that is absent from our lives. Many things happen to us, but we forget them. And Allah doesn't want us to forget some things. So this scholar, when he thought about that question from that stranger, he understood why was it my dunya 
that responded to this stranger and it wasn't my relationship to Allah that responded to this stranger. This is the type of relationship that we need. It is absent. We can't camouflage ourselves with these rituals and think we are the best people in the world when we are just a duplicate of Bani Israel. How many of us recite أَمَّن يُجِيبُ الْمُضْطَرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءُ Who is it who comes and responds to those who are in dire need and relieves them? Who is it? And let, let me end this first khutbah with this following real event. All of these happens to scholars who in their selves, if they think about what happened, would realize their personal self is a result of, their, of the disintegration of their historical self. Their personal self is the result of the disintegration of their historical self. This person, a well-known scholar from a well-known Islamic country, he had to catch a flight early in the morning. But he wanted to pray Salat al-Fajr jama'ah. And he knew the time was short. So he said, I'm going to go to a masjid on my way to the airport and pray al-Fajr there and from there keep on to my final destination, the airport. He arrives very early at that masjid, an hour or more before Fajr time. And he goes into the masjid and he finds there's a person, one person in that masjid who is talking to Allah, asking Allah, expressing dua to Allah, saying, Oh Allah, I have no one but you. I am desperate. I can't ask anyone for what I need. Please help me. Now this person who is a famous da'i, he was listening to this person. And this person didn't know that another person had entered the masjid. He thought he's there by himself in the masjid. So after this person is listening to this person and this person is crying and saying this dua to Allah. So the person just before the adhan for the fajr goes up to him and he asks what is it you are in an emotional state seems like you're very desperate what is it that is bothering you he said my wife has an operation at nine o'clock this morning and that operation costs fifteen thousand and four hundred the unit of that country's currency. I don't want to mention the unit of that country's currency because I don't want you to put in the negative historical issues you may have. If you if you want, after the khutbah, I can tell you one-on-one -on -one where, where that took place. 15,400, let's say, dollars of that country. And I don't have a penny. And my wife will die if she doesn't have this procedure. I'm desperate. People came for Fajr Salah. They recognized the scholar. They told him, lead the Salah. He began reading the Salah, reciting Al-Fatiha and whatever in the first and second rak'ah. It was done on a microphone. 
the person living above the masjid heard the voice of that imam leading the salah. He comes down to join Salat al-Fajr. After Salat al-Fajr was over, this is re- this happened. This is a real thing that happens. Nothing out of you know superstition stuff. This person who came from the apartment above the the masjid went to the immediately after a taslima of the Salat Fajr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum. He went to him and he said. I heard your voice, I came down to pray with you, to be honored, to have you my Imam in As-Salah. I have something to say to you. So he took him to the side. He told him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me many resources by which I bought a flat above this masjid. And I happen to have a sum of money that I want to give to someone who is desperately in need. I could easily have distributed this sum of money among many individuals who are in partial need. But I want to give all of this amount to a person, to a specific person who is seriously and desperately in need. So this person, the scholar, the imam who led the prayer, he asked him, how much money do you have? What amount do you want to give to a desperate person? He says, I have 15,400 dollars of that particular country. The exact amount that the desperate person before Fajr prayer said he desperately needs. He said, okay, bring it to me. He went, he got the amount, and then he brought these two men together. He said, how much money do you need? He asked the person who is desperate and in need, How much money do you need and for what purpose? They don't know each other. None of them know each other. He said, for the medical procedure of my wife, I need 15,400. He looked to the other person. He said, "How, how much money are you giving to a person who is desperately in need? He said, that's the exact amount which I expressed to you. He took it out and he gave it to this person. أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُضْطَرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءُ The proviso is that this relationship with Allah is sound and strong and sincere. Not the gimmicks that we have by these people putting on a show as they do in certain masajid, Islamic centers, in al-Masjid al-Haram, in al-Masjid al-Nabawi, in other masajid, important masajid around the world. There's another portion of the khutbah that I wanted to dwell on, but I don't have the time. Maybe we'll try to express it in the coming khutbah next week. Aqulu qawli hadha. واستغفر الله لي ولكم قل ما يعبأ بكم ربي لولا دعاءكم in the prophet's hadith الدعاء مخ العبادة أقول قولي هذا استغفر الله يغفر لكم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي 
وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters In the second khutbah we speak about affairs that are decided by others that impact our personal lives our family lives our community lives our social lives the fact that mecca and al madina are colonized cities yeah i'm loading my words because i want us to break through the apathy that has been weighing down on us for centuries because mecca and al madina are colonized we thousands of miles away are paralyzed there's no vibrancy there's no spirit there's no interactivity emanating from mecca and al madina and as the years go by the rulers there are going from bad to worse to worst this week the king the demented king has appointed a new foreign minister in the matter of the past 4 years they have now 3 foreign ministers this new foreign minister has a background of being a so-called specialist in the arms industry he was born in 1975 in Frankfurt Germany he said he's fluent in German and English and he's a hardline anti-islamic revolution in Iran let us know what is happening in this world so we can expect some uh, diplomatic and political movements and maneuvers in the coming months and year there has been a flight that emanated from tel aviv this past week from tel aviv and landed in riyadh it took it took a travel path first going to amman jordan and from there to riyadh this was at the same time that the pentagon chief here was in saudi arabia there was no disclosure of who was on that israeli flight that landed in the saudi family kingdom speculation is either it was one of two war criminals either netanyahu the defunct prime minister or the head of the mossad in the land of the prophet and the quran in the past week six or seven individuals were rounded up and thrown into prison some of them are public figures as poets or bloggers one academic and one head of a major tribe all of them this past week were put behind bars by the zionist imperialist saudi rulers and the major 
criticism was they these individuals did not feel comfortable with the entertainment policies that have been rolling on in the land of Al-Iman and Al-Islam. There's been a blogger in this past week in Saudi Arabia who asked women in Saudi Arabia, especially in Riyadh, to come to a square, a known square in the city, take off their niqabs, that's the covering of the face, and burn them in public. You see the reaction of fanaticism. This is a reaction to those previous years. You've heard about what has been happening, I think. You heard of what has been happening in Lebanon in the past nine days. Massive demonstrations. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates advised their citizens to leave Lebanon and told the Lebanese government to secure the road to the airport. And in the past week, around 2,100 Saudis left the country. Why, do they, why are they leaving? Do they feel they've done something wrong? Who's going to miss them? The brothels in Lebanon? The nightclubs in Lebanon? The casinos in Lebanon? Beginning on the 27th of this month, continuing until the 17th of next month, November, one of the largest, if not the largest, alliance of military forces from 56 countries around the world and six international organizations are going to be involved in military exercises extending from the north of the Persian Arabian Gulf all around the Gulf of Oman into the Arabian Sea around Bab al-Mandab that's where Djibouti and Yemen is northward towards the Gulf of Aqaba the, the stretch of the Red Sea what's all this about? Are we expressing these things to dead souls? Are we dead? And then we have an American delegation headed by Kushner, the president's son-in-law, the Zionist who's in charge of basically Middle East, Muslim East policies, and Mnuchin, another Zionist who is the head of the treasury in this country, they're going to Saudi Arabia. The Davos of the desert last year was a flop because of the butchering of Khashoggi. Now, a year has passed, the issue is almost fading away, and so they find themselves comfortable going to invest In the resources that belong to us, they're figuring out once again how to steal our natural resources. The Secretary of Defense, United States, goes and visits Saudi Arabia and meets with the king. And the news item tells us they were discussing security and military affairs. That king doesn't know how to put a sentence together. You tell us he's discussing these affairs, you insult our intelligence. You probably heard, and we mentioned it in a khutbah previously, Saudi women now who are over 21 years of age can apply for a passport and legally receive a passport. What's happening is... It's not as rosy as it sounds because there's a type of clause that says the, the parents or the guardian or the husband can report 
his female household member, whether it's a wife or a daughter or whoever, of absenteeism. This means that it's not what MBS and his liberalizing, licentious group of officials are saying and doing. And some of these women are sent to special homes where they are cut off from their family. And what happens to them when they are locked up in these designated sanctuaries or whatever you want to call them, homes, residences or whatever, they lose contact with their families and then men come to these places and they apply to marry certain individuals, certain women in these basically penitentiaries and they fill out a, or they write a form saying I'm looking for a tall blondish 20 something year old to marry her this is what's ha- this is real this is not something and we're talking about women in the scores if not in the hundreds that this is happening to now we have if we take a step forward to what's going to happen supposedly this coming week either on Sunday or on Thursday Wednesday or Thursday depending on the news source the judiciary as if they have a judiciary whatever it it's called are going to pass they're sentencing on some of the major figures in the religious establishment in Saudi Arabia. Salman al-Awda, Awad al-Qarni, Ali al-Umari, and some others. What are they going to do? They're going to put them behind bars for the rest of their lives? They're going to execute them? Who knows? Send them into exile. And what is their crime? What what did they do? Well, this is what they are accused of doing. They are accused of financing foreigners who are violent, violent or terroristic, belonging to or affiliated with al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin. the reason for instability and chaos inside the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and being unfriendly to friendly countries friendly countries to the Saudi regime the accusation against these individuals that they are unfriendly to these countries when has that been a crime I can be unfriendly to any country I want And have you realized that the Western media is hush, mum, censored? Not a word. Where's freedom? All of these issues. Where are you? It exposed, they expose their own selves. The United Arab Emirates, the business people there, they realize that there's been a drop in the sales of liquor so they want to sell more liquor so they bring the prices of liquor down there's been a disputed area between Kuwait and Saudi Arabia that area has at least two major oil wells in it they tell us the rulers in both of these countries, they solve their differences and they're going to begin pumping oil. They didn't solve their differences. They were told that you have to begin to pump oil from these two areas. There is an Israeli delegation that's going to Bahrain. 
there's a type of navigation conference there. Marine navigation. And an Israeli delegation is going to be attending there. And probably is going to be given a red carpet reception. A drone, an Israeli drone, was brought down in southern Lebanon. And you have Jordan that's giving visas to citizens of India and China. Those two countries. Remember Muslims in India and China. And now Jordan wants to give them visas without application for visas. You just come. You land, we'll stamp your passport, come and invest in our country. What do you say? We have now people's movements. People are suffering. In Lebanon for the ninth day, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands each day around the country don't want this current government that is led by a corrupt prime minister who pays $16 million to some type of beauty figure from South Africa whom he meets on one of the islands, pays her $15 million. The country, the Lebanon is in debt over what? It's a small country, 4 million people. The debt in that country is over $100 billion. The rulers in that country who have bank accounts outside of Lebanon, in their bank accounts they have $300 billion. They can pay off the debt of the whole country and remain with $200 billion. They don't want to do that. The people are fed up. The same thing with the people in Iraq. The people are fed up. Iraq is a country that has rivers and seas of petroleum in it. The revenue is supposed to be $300 million every day. Why don't they have electricity in some places? Why don't they have sanitary water in other places? Legitimate questions in Algeria. A demonstration has been going on for nine months now. This is fertile territory for troublemakers. They can come in and people who have legitimate gripes, legitimate motivations, they can be infiltrated. And it could turn into chaos and there can be a counter-revolution that goes in the wrong direction. What do you say to affairs like this? How do we overcome affairs like, if it's only me and you, we can't do anything. But if we are in Allah's presence, many things can be done. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a. وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إليك نشكو ضعف قوتنا وقلة حيلتنا وهوانا على الناس يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا صختك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها 
أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور وأقم الصلاة وأرحنا بها